Hello everybody, welcome to the Chenzor Dynasty, I almost said Ultra Chen TV, the Chenzor Dynasty here on twitch.tv slash jchenzor. I am your host, James Chen, aka jchenzor, though nobody ever calls me that anymore. Everyone just calls me James Chen because it's quicker to say. But this is the channel where I play lots of different games and stuff, talk to you about fighting game issues, and I have lots of cute cats interacting with me on stream. For example, Jasmine right now is sleeping on my leg. She is a good kitty. She is a good girl. Oh, look at the head scratch. She likes the head scratch. So um, today, as you saw from the uh, title, I'm gonna talking. I'm gonna start talking a little bit about uh, a facet that I don't think a lot of people are thinking about when it comes to adding features to games. We've had a lot of people going around talking about, you know, these are the essential features that you have to have in a fighting game now. You gotta have frame data, you have to have a good training mode, you have to have a good blah 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 blah, all these things and like, this is what should be expected and da 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 da. And I'm, you know, a lot of people have talked about, oh, you know, the Tekken 7 frame data, you know, they're charging $4 for it because it's so hard to put in. There's like hundreds of moves and like, it'll take time to do it and like to add all these features and blah 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 and all these things like that. But I'm going to basically break it down to you guys why those features are not in fighting games and probably the actual reason why those features aren't in fighting games and why we can't just sit here and just expect those features, right? This is not going to be a very long conversation because the answer is very short uh, and it's very clear. But the whole point is that the reason why... Okay, somebody's speeding on the freeway right over part me, uh, right past me. Um, the reason why we don't see a lot of these features in fighting games is because we cannot prove that those features equal sales. <laughs> That's it. That's just the simplest truth about it. Having been in a software industry, having been in a software company, and having been an internal, you know, I designed automation at my previous company, and so our customers were people within the company. And whenever we wanted to revamp a feature or make something work better, the question always came down to, is this going to be what the people need? Like, the hardest part is that the answer usually was, well, no, we're not adding any new features. We're just making it work a little bit better. And they're like, no, we need to spend all of our time adding the features that people want, etc., etc. This is kind of how it works with uh, software, right? When you're making a product, it costs money to make. And after you make the product, you sell it to people. And the only reason why you'll add features into something is because it's going to help sell the product. That's just, that's just literally what it comes down to, right? And so the problem with it is, yes, Tekken 7 frame data will take time to implement and stuff like that. Two, no, it's not as hard as everybody says because there's hundreds of moves because it, for all sense and intents and purposes, uh, it should be programmatic, right? People have done it on the PC already. They've already put mods that 
do all the frame data. They didn't go and enter every move themselves and figure it all out. They did it from the actual move files. Like they can actually just parse the moves and figure out the frame data and stuff like that. However, to put the UI, to figure out how to implement it, to figure out where's this, you know, blah, 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 all this stuff like that, you know, to actually put it into the game is going to take time. Right, it's gonna take time. You got to build it into a UI. You got to make sure it's not a cheesy UI or whatever like that. Now the question is: Is it gonna make you money? Is it going to make you money? Right? I mean, it's a lot of the reason why Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite was shipped in the condition that it was in. But there's a lot that went into that one, in my opinion. Just judging from the chit chat that I've heard about it, I think a lot of the problems just came from Marvel being Marvel and uh, really not being particularly responsive and probably asking for things that, that Capcom would have preferred doing a different way. Um, but, you know, uh, when it comes down to something like adding frame data, adding really high-quality tutorials, adding FAQs within your game, adding all these things like that, there's no way to prove that stuff is actually going to benefit sales. And so anytime you propose these kind of things to the upper management, to the people in charge of the budget, they're going to ask you, how much is it going to cost to implement this feature? Okay, it's going to take a month. Okay, let's say you say a month, right? Three weeks. Let's be nice. Let's say three weeks to implement this, right? That's three weeks worth of pay for a few people, right? Potentially a few people. And then, so then the upper manager is going to go, okay, all right, so we're going to spend this much money implementing this. How much is this going to net us? How much is this going to improve our sales? And that's the problem right there is that we have no proof of it. And in fact, if you look at the empirical data that currently exists right now, the proof actually pushes you more towards it doesn't do anything. And in fact, having frame data, having descriptions of special moves, having all this information does absolutely nothing to game sales. And because of that, that is why we are in a position that we're in with fighting games where we don't have this information, right? So let's talk about, for example, you know, Street Fighter V, big game, whatever. I think as of uh, earlier this year, they said they sold almost like 4 million units or whatever like that. And, you know, by and large, it's probably considered a, a, a flop because the original Street Fighter Four sold almost just that much in a shorter amount of time, etc., etc. Um, but then you look at a game like Tekken 7, right? Tekken 7 has sold 4 million copies. Over 4 million copies as of July this year. That's the latest stat that I saw. They sold 4 million copies, right? And the thing is, Tekken 7 has no replays, has no frame data, has no good, the training mode is inadequate at best, right? There, it's missing so much. Right? There's, it's missing so many features. It sold 4 million, and by and large, that's actually really good numbers for Tekken 7, right? Like, I'm sure Bandai Namco was very happy with that, right? So here's the thing. It game sold well, and in fact, uh, from the articles that I was reading, it's never slowed down. And in fact, the sales are actually 
like maintaining and you see bursts here and there. So it's actually maintaining really well before there was any announcements of anything about frame data, etc., etc. So by and large, the frame data not being there, having a training mode that wasn't the best training mode, not having any sort of like cool tutorials or anything like that, not having a lot of one player content, didn't do anything to hurt the sales, right? So can you go and on earnestly tell somebody, the higher ups, that we're gonna add all these features in there because it's going to increase the sales? I don't know you can, because let's go around, let's take a look at another game. If you have someone who's working on the game, a developer who really, 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 really want to do stuff, like Keats, for example. Keats loves fighting games, absolutely part of the FGC. Former top eight Evo finisher in Tatsunoko versus Capcom. Very intelligent guy, really good at making games, etc., etc. Made a quality game with uh, Killer Instinct Season 2 and Season 3. Game has frame data, has hitbox viewer, has all this stuff in there. Game didn't sell very well, uh, and it was free to play. Did a lot of the things that, uh, you know, that a lot of people have been saying that fighting games should try to do. Guaranteed to put all this stuff in there. Uh, by and large, it's not a particularly successful game, right? I mean, it did well. I'm not going to sit there and just be like, ah, this game failed. Like, it did fine. It did fine. But it, it, it isn't the game that's like, oh my gosh, it has best net code. Killer Instinct has the best net code because, you know, uh, Keats cares, right? But by and large, it's not the most successful fighting game in our community, right? People aren't playing it much anymore. And, uh... Can you then say that if the developer takes the time to do all that stuff, that that equals a successful game? Yes, there are tons of factors into it, including the fact that KI was trapped on the Xbox One for a large portion of time, and that was a problem, right? And that, that basically killed the game, so that hurt its sales a lot, but even still... Had it been on out on the PlayStation 4, how many people in the chat really feel like that KI would still be, you know, one of the main games at EVO right now? Getting a thousand entrants at EVO right now. Maybe, maybe. KI, I mean, sorry, a Virtua Fighter, long time ago, Virtua Fighter uh, uh, for the PlayStation 2 had one of the greatest training modes ever, but one of the best tutorials that I've ever seen, tutorial modes. They had this really cool one-player mode where you tried to become the champion of Japan and you actually went around the arcades in Japan and the top players of the Virtua Fighter game who frequented those arcades were there and you played against their ghosts, basically, that actually played like those players and you tried to beat them to become like the best in Japan. Had a really, really great tutorial system, great one-player mode, all this stuff. Didn't sell very well. Didn't sell very well, right? So a lot of people are going to be like, okay, 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 okay. Well, speaking of one-player mode, thinking of all this other stuff like they're out there. Also, by the way, if you want to ask me a question or want to point out something in the chat, make sure you type at jchenzor so I will 
prefer to, so that I will make sure to see it and stuff like that. Because, uh, you know, I'm staring at the camera, not at the chat sometimes, and so I might miss some comments there. But if you do at Chenzor, I will be sure to respond to that. Well, thank you, Antiparticle. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, let's talk about MK11, right? Greatest selling game of last year. One of the best selling games of last year, right? Uh, wonderful one-player mode. Great story mode. Really, really high production. The game has frame data in it. They put frame data in there. A lot of good frame data information in there, right? They even tell you about cancel advantages. They have on hit, on block. They have a lot of cool information in there. And so then you think to yourself, well, see, KI put the frame data. I'm sorry, uh, MK put the frame data in there. So isn't that proof that you put that stuff in there and your game will sell well, right? It's hard to say, but my question to everybody in the chat is, if MK11 did not have the frame data in the game, how much do you feel like the sales would have hurt? How much do you feel like the sales of MK11 would have gone down? Right? So your bud Miko in there puts like 0%. A lot of people say absolutely zero. Because that's not what sells the game, says angry, angriest angry artist. I mentioned that in July, Tekken had sold 4 million copies. Okay? Tekken had sold 4 million copies. Evo this last year, shoutouts to Atomic Number for the subscription. Thank you. Appreciate it very much. You the man. You the man. Or, should I say, suck my nuts, Atomic Number. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but no, people have actually said that they want me to tell them that whenever they subscribe. So I can do that. I can do that. So anytime you subscribe, I can tell you to suck my nuts. And that's how it goes. So um, yeah, most people don't even know what the frame data means. But let's get to this. Tekken, 4 million sales, right? At Evo this past year, this was in July. This was in July, 4 million sales. Um... At EVO, I'm going to be generous here because there's about 1,800-some entrants. 2,000 entrants, right? 2,000 out of 4 million sales equals 0.05% of the number of people who bought the copy, right? Oh, who bought a copy of Tekken 7. Not even 1%, not even 5, 0.05%, right? So EVO, the biggest tournament in the world that had the by far the largest number of uh, uh, Tekken entrants, 0.05% is right. So Master PPV says it, competitive community is always tiny compared to the whole fan base. So again, that frame data stuff that we all care about, that you guys care about because you're tuning into my channel, because you care about fighting games like that, does nothing for 99.95% of the people who bought the game, you know, theoretically. Look, some of those people who do care about the frame data might have bought more than one copy. So let's say 99%, right? Let's be nice. 99.5% is already being nice. 99% of the people who buy the game don't care about the frame data, right? Uh, right, of course, uh, Mia Gucci. I'm not saying that everybody who plays Tekken made it out there. But still, that's why I'm going to be nice and lower it to 
instead of 99.095 or whatever it is, right? So here's the thing, right? Not a lot of people are going to care. And this is why it's hard to get those features in there. Because there is no way that we can prove getting those features into the fighting games actually helps the sales. The only way we can do that is by being loud and thankful and voting with our wallet and being happy that they put those things in there and try to talk about it on social media as much as possible and to really kind of try to push for it and really try to get the developers to understand that we super appreciate them putting that stuff in there. This is kind of why when the frame data stuff for Tekken came out and everybody was so negative about it, kind of freaked me out because Harada's like, I don't want to put frame data in my fighting game because it's cheating. It makes everybody learn easier through numbers instead of through playing and experimenting. I don't like that, but you guys want it? Here it is, fine. And then everyone's like, I hate you. Yeah, he charged money for it so people have a reason to be mad. I'm not saying they're not justified for being mad. I'm just scared, scared about it. Uh, atomic number, uh, that is a completely off-topic question. Would you do any Tetris review replays? I have planned to do that, actually. That is something I want to do, so I'm just going to say that right now. Yes, I plan to do Tetris replays at some point in time and analyze them so you guys can see why players play pieces in certain locations and stuff like that. Off-topic, but I do want to answer that because yes, yes, I definitely will. I definitely will. Um, so this is the thing, right? So how do you even prove to the developers that this stuff is worth their time to develop? And, and that's the hard part. That, this is the hurdle that we're trying to get past. Now, if a fighting game came out and didn't have a training mode, I actually think that would hurt the sales a lot. A lot. Like, I think developers know if you have no training mode in your fighting game, your game is done. Like, that's, that's just it. Like, people are not going to buy your game. <laughs> like, as soon as the reviews come out, would be like, huh, this game has no training mode. I can't learn anything. Nobody would buy the game. So they're going to take the time to implement a training mode. Besides, training mode, not super, I mean... Bare bones training mode, not hard to implement, right? Not hard to implement. You can throw one in there, and as long as it does what it needs to do, it'll be fine, right? Um, right, exactly. Even journalists will be mad. Even the people who don't play fighting games and only play fighting games casually will report it and be mad about it. That's what happened with Street Fighter V when it came out, and there was no arcade mode, right? And people wonder why everyone's mad about the no arcade. It's just one of those things that you just kind of expect to be in the game, right? Right now, unfortunately, stuff like frame date and all that stuff isn't expected to be in the game because a lot of the people who buy these fighting games are not going to interact with it. Most people who are playing Tekken 7 have probably never turned on that blue hue thing in training mode. Right? Some of them probably don't even know if, what, if it exists. Some of them who have turned it on probably don't even know what it means or what it does. Like they see these blue colors and they're like, what is this? There's no, whatever, turn it off, it's weird. Right? 
And that's the thing, right? So the majority of the people are not going to play it and not going to put it in. So, again, the reason why we don't see a lot of these features by default in our fighting games is because we can't prove that not having them hurts their sales, right? So it's nice to sit here and just be like, hey, look, these are the features that we should expect in fighting games. I mean, okay, you're right. <laughs> we should expect these features. But how do we show developers that if they're not there, we won't buy the game, right? That's the question. That's the real question. And that's what's actually kind of hurting us and holding us back a little bit. And it's, it's kind of tough. And so JD asks, while the addition of features may not directly lead to sales, don't you think the absence of features can account for a lack of sales? Street Fighter's release seems like a great example of that. Yes, as I mentioned though, it wasn't the frame data that was missing in Street Fighter V that caused everybody to get mad. It was the fact that there was no arcade mode. There was no one-player content in the game. That was the thing that hurt Street Fighter V sales, right? I mean, none of the reviews that came out for the game was like, where's my frame data? A lot of them was like, where the hell is my arcade mode? Right? You know, and, and stuff like that. It's It's... Yeah, never knows best states it right. The hardcore community often forgets that the majority of people who play fighting games for leisure, right? The amount of people wanting features like frame data is way small and the core people will do it anyhow, right? And so that's the, that's the situation. So again, I'm stating this not because I have a solution or I have a way to do this or I'm here to tell everybody they're wrong. I'm stating this just to kind of give people a different perspective on why those features are missing and why it's actually so hard to convince a developer to put those features in. Because it just, like, how do you, like, if Keats is in charge and you go up to Keats and like, we need frame data, Keats will be like, hell yeah, we need frame data. And he'll put frame data in the game for free because he cares, right? But if higher up is Mr. Bandai Namco or Mr. Capcom or, you know, Mr. Nintendo, and they're sitting there, you know, counting their stacks of money from Monster Hunter and stuff like that, you know, and they're just like, you know, busy, counting money, you're making me lose count, kind of things like that. And then you run up to them and they're like, hey, hey, we want to implement this feature by putting frame data in the game. All right, how many more copies is that going to sell? Um, well, uh, probably none. All right, well, how long is it going to take to implement? Maybe like three weeks or four weeks. So how many people is it going to take? Like two or three people? So you want to pay two or three people a month of salary to implement a feature that is not going to sell any more games. Yeah, that person's just going to go back and start counting their money and be like, don't put that in there. This is how all software companies work. Every time you want to implement a feature, it's like, how is that going to increase sales? How is that going to improve this? Being a part of the software industry, whenever we found bugs or we found something or we would ask an enhancement request like, hey, you guys should add this feature in here because it would be really good for the users. And they'd be like, eh, let's wait the time to put this in here and the effect it has, it's not good enough. Scrap it. We'll save it for later. Uh, oh, interesting. So Master PPV says Maximilian did an entire rant on this a few months back. The thing that sells games more than anything is brand value and character slash content. It's why MK vs. DC was slash is the most well-selling NetherRealms game 
Uh, don't know if it is still, but it was for years and years. It's why Smash sold more than in a week than Melee's entire lifespan, etc., etc. Exactly. There's nobody out there that's going to the IGN review of Smash Brothers and going, is there frame data in this game? You know, nobody's going to the review that's being put out by, you know, any of these uh, Kotaku. They're not going to go read the Mortal Kombat Kotaku article going, let's see if he says that there's frame data in the game. And, you know, uh, a game like Overwatch, a 60 bucks game, launches without any type of PvE or history mode and stuff, sells millions of copies, uh, and if a fighting game does the same, it's considered an incomplete game. I mean, this, again, goes into another area of conversation, which is where I talk about how why fighting games are so much harder to learn than every other competitive game ever, and I know that there's a lot of people that don't agree but I still think that's the case, and it's all from a psychological standpoint because in FPSs and in MOBAs and things like that, natural human instinct works. In fighting games, natural instinct does not work. And that is why fighting games are harder to play than any other competitive game ever. And that's basically just kind of what it is, so... And then uh, Master PPV also says, though, to be fair, Smash is one of those rare outliers where the developer actually seems to go out of the way to put stuff in to make people happy when other studios would be a hell no to all of that extra work. Maybe. I mean, look how mad everybody is when, they, when he put in Terry, right? When he put in Terry, remember the backlash that he got? There was one point Sakurai also put out a tweet, I think when Piranha Plant came out, that he was like, we worked so hard to put every character from every previous Smash game in there so no player would be missing their character. And then we added Piranha Plant and everybody was pissed. Sometimes you feel like you can't win. Sometimes you feel like you can't win. Like Sakurai put out that tweet or someone put out something of that nature of a tweet and you read it and you're like, fuck. Like, <laughs> like it's absolutely true. It's absolutely true. He went and made sure everybody had their main back in the game and everybody was mad at Piranha Plant. Everybody was mad at Terry, right? And that's like, man, <laughs> sucks, dude. It sucks. Or Hero. People were mad about Hero as well. Um, and so that's just the thing, right? It's, it's uh, uh, back to what I was, what was I talking about earlier? Uh, t -t 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 uh, but yeah, it's. I'm not sure. Uh, I don't know what the right answer is. Again, that's the that's the hardest part. I wish I could come here and be like, this is how we can solve the problem. But I don't know if there is a way to solve the problem. The only thing we can do is just when the developers put these things in there that we express how happy we are. I know when Street Fighter added, for example, the red and blue frame data stuff like that, there wasn't that big of a stink over it, right? There wasn't, like if Street Fighter V came out and did something that people didn't like. Okay, for example, I'm guilty of this. Sakura comes out, and you're like, what the hell is wrong with her animation? Why does she look like garbage, right? And then everybody sits there and talks about how Sakura looks like garbage, right? And then they add this really awesome training mode feature with these beautiful colors and everything like that, and people are like, that's neat. 
And, that, and that's all you hear, right? I, I don't know. Maybe I wasn't on the right threads. I don't remember people being effusively praising Capcom for adding those features uh, into training mode. But that's just one of the tough things. And, and you know, that's not that we don't appreciate it. It's just this is the nature of social media, right? This is just the nature. So when people do things that you like, people who like it are tend to be quiet. But when they do something you hate, everybody gets loud about it, right? Even knowing that, I sit there and bitch about Sakura's animation all the time because it's just hideous. It's hideous. And uh, people are like, why do you keep talking about this, James? It's not that bad. But I can't stop talking about it because I just think it's so bad. And it, it, it like, hurts my eyes, you know? Uh, yeah, and Street Fighter V has that problem too, for sure. And yeah, Miyagichu, uh, Hero was banned because of the, the menu stuff, the language stuff, the RNG and everything like that was kind of a, a problem. So Terry's not going to get banned, for sure. Uh, but, you know, it's just, it's... God, my cat is just chilling on my lap right now. You probably, you, oh, you can see her head right here. She is like dozing, and I would grab the camera and show you, but I can't get up from my spot. But, um, and that's the hard part. And that's the reason why we're not getting features in these games. So a lot of times when people are like, why aren't they implementing this? It's a no-brainer to put this stuff into the game. Like, it's guaranteed. Time, effort, money to put into the game, and if it doesn't equal sales, it's not going to do anything. The best we can do is when a game does come out and has the features that we like, that we do purchase the game in support, and then we let them know on social media. We try to spread the positivity on social media. And again, this is the pipe dream of James Chen. This is the optimism of James Chen that maybe somehow on the social networks we can actually promote positivity and actually have weaponized positivity for good. <laughs> but I don't know um, if that's actually ever going to happen, unfortunately, right? So Unist, I mean, Unist is actually getting pretty well rewarded, to be honest with you. I still don't think it equals huge amount of sales, but they have great tutorials and stuff like that in the game. Uh, super fast loading, etc., etc. Netcode's not great, right? Netcode's not great. Guilty Gear comes out, great tutorial stuff, talks about high-level stuff, even goes through each character one by one. It has the benefit of having existed in arcades before, so that same thing with Unist, right? Because the hardest thing about uh, a lot of games, like let's say MK11 comes out and they have this mode where they're like, here's your B&B combos. You know, in two weeks, those probably won't be the B&B combos because people discover things that the uh, developers sometimes don't. And if you and, and if the players aren't learning things and discovering things that the developers didn't know about, in my opinion, you made a bad fighting game. If the players can't find things that the developers didn't know about, then it's a bad fighting game, right? Shoutouts to Mr. Friday for the subscription, 19 months. Suck my nuts, Mr. Friday. Thank you very much. Um, how come no game has done custom shareable trials in these games? Same reason, right? Now you have to have a server that stores these things, which probably isn't that hard, but now you got to figure out a UI, how to display it, right? Let's say Marvel 3 did this, right? Let's say Marvel 3 said, okay, here's some custom recordable trials, right? Do you know how long those trials will be? How do you even list that? 
These are all decisions and design processes that you're going to have to have people sit down and think about and create a UI for. And someone's going to come up with some crazy combo that's going to do something to your combo and just be like, uh, you can opt out of that request, Mr. Friday. Absolutely. Everyone is able to opt out of the suck my nuts request, okay? Everybody is uh, totally able to opt out of that request. Uh, well, that applies for fixed trials as well, but the thing is, like I said, as time moves on, you're going to discover things that people don't know about, right? And the, some of the trials that people come up with aren't really even as long as some of the crazy... Like, what if someone actually wanted to just do like a lightning loops combo on there, right? Starting from maximum, right? Then like, you're just gonna, like, where do you scroll through it and all this stuff? Like, it's just gonna be really awkward. It's gonna be kind of uh, tough. It's kind of tough. So, um, it's just not, it's not, it's just now you have to do something to think about it because not only do you have to record it, you have to store it in the, in the, in the server side of things. You have to be able to assign unique identifiers to each of the combos. So that way, like, hey, check out my combo trial that I put on this machine. Here's my combo trial code, right? You got to come up with that. So you got to have a way to be able to create the, generate the codes for it. You have to have all that. Now you have to add this extra networking layer now all of a sudden where you're like, I want to load this code searching for a code. Here's the combo. Boom, here's the combo. Now I got to display it. And we didn't think about this weird combo situation. So the way it's displayed is completely missing the fact that you need to switch holding buttons with zero because they weren't anticipating that and there was no way to actually indicate that so people can't do the combo, etc, etc, etc. It's just one of those things. Um, Super Moose, uh, not necessarily impromptu on Chenzord, it's just me talking. I'm going to try to do this in as many, uh, more often now. I'm just going to be doing this a lot during streams and stuff like that. So, yeah, exactly. So, uh, all the SNK games that are on cheap for... The Switch, be careful when you buy them because they are just arcade emulations. I bought Samurai Showdown 5 on the Switch because it was on sale for $1.99 and there was no training mode in it. And I was very sad. Very, very sad. <laughs> um, right, exactly. So Kraken says, it reminds me of how in UMVC3 for Dante's last trial with his BNB, it was his BNB, but it wasn't actually the full BNB since it involved bold canceling, which they couldn't really convey. And so they just couldn't figure out how to do it, so they just made the decision not to put it in there, right? So that's just the whole thing about that. And, and again, every time people think about trying to add a new feature, it's a lot more complicated than people think, and then it always comes down to the same question. Is it going to generate sales, right? I have all these great ideas. I sent this giant email to Capcom before Street Fighter V, and I'm like, this is the stuff that you need to put in the game. Here's all the one-player content that you guys need to put in the game. But even in my email, I was like, I can't justify any of this because none of this is going to equal sales, right? Like, how do you convince somebody that this is the right thing to do, right? A lot of the times, you're not going to see the rewards. You're not going to see the benefits. You're not going to actively feel the rewards, right? Especially in Japan, especially if it's a Japanese company, because Japan, once a game comes out, it's in the sale bin like a month later because they only really, things only get bought at the time. This is what I've been told by people who have lived in Japan. Like when a game comes out, it's super big, 
And then it's in the bargain bin like two months later, right? Um, also, like, uh, if the game doesn't sell well right away, like UMVC3, Japan declares it a failure. They shut down the entire build uh, environment for it. They archive all the code. And then UMVC3 turns out to be one of their longest-selling games of all time with great longevity. It actually kept selling well for a long time. It just didn't sell well at first, but it maintained. But it was too late, so there wasn't going to be any patches. There wasn't going to be any DLC for the game and stuff like that, right? So that's a problem right there. So, yeah, first, so Gundam Jehudi Kai uh, echoes that. Says, yep, in Japan, first-week sales are super important. They don't care much for long long tails. So that's the question is how can you convince somebody that putting in frame data, that putting in really good tutorials, that taking the time to put all this great one player content is going to equal sales and it's hard. Uh, we can't. That's the problem, right? So and uh but yes, no, you are absolutely right, Vanny, Vanny G91 who says I feel like custom trials solves the problem of standard trials becoming outdated one week after release. 100% correct. You are absolutely correct, but just like everything else, just like frame data, just like a proper tutorial mode, how do you convince a company to implement that? Because like I said, it's not just putting in custom trials. Now you have to put in this whole network layer of communicating with the database to be able to get the trials. How do you store it in the back end? What's the method in which you're going to store it? Are you just going to store a series of inputs? Or do you boil the moves down once you record it into certain things? Do you make sure every move has an ID associated with it? So that's how it's displayed in the thing. You're not storing pure text in your database for these custom, for these trials. Because if you do that, it's going to break the instant you patch, the very first time you patch. Like you have to foolproof it so much. And then when a patch comes out and a combo doesn't work anymore, what do you do with the trials? How do you guarantee that those trials even work now? That's something else you have to think about, right? They patch it so this move now doesn't combo into this situation. Every trial that used that is now invalid. What do you do? What is the decision that you make? Now, there's a lot of decisions, but they have to sit down and spend the time to come up with the idea. Do we just leave them there and just put out a warning? Some combos may not work anymore. Some trials may be unpassable. Like, what happens at this point in time, right? <laughs> That's the trickiest part, right? And right, you can use QR codes in the same way Teppen shares uh, build decks, uh, deck builds, and sure, but that's a lot easier, right? They're not going to delete a card. They're not going to delete a card from the game. No matter what happens to a card, no matter how powerful it is, or no matter what happens, they're never going to delete a card they can nerf it to hell so that it's virtually deleted, but they're never actually going to delete a card. So every card has a unique ID. There's only going to be 30 of them. And so your deck is just a list of 30 unique IDs. And that's very easy to handle. That is super easy to handle, right? Compared to a fighting game, which every character has upwards of 30 to 40 moves, each one of them unique, and then a lot of them have weird properties. Hey, this one only does this in V-Trigger. This one only does that in, in when you've charged up this special move and blah, 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 blah. If you hold this button down for this long and all this stuff. But, so, like, it's not quite the same. It's, it's not quite the same. Um, 
<laughs> Moose Fighter will have frame data. It's the right way to do it, honestly, uh, very well. So yeah, uh, if you implement the data structures well, card games are super easy on the back end. Yes, card games are very easy because once you have the IDs, the game itself will process all that information. You get 30 unique IDs. The game already knows what all the cards are. It already knows what I the IDs of all the cards are. So you just get a list of 30 unique IDs and blam, you just create it. It sorts it because it has a sorting function here. You know, red decks, blah decks, red, green, uh, purple, black, and then put them in MP cost order. It's, so it doesn't even matter. You can store the 30 IDs in any order you want. Everything will be handled on this side once you give it the information that you need, right? And so that's just the thing. Once you start going into custom combos and trials and stuff like that, it's just a lot more complex and, and everything like that. So um, it is, it is uh, it's, 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 everything is not as easy to implement as a lot of people think. I have the benefit, shout outs to uh, Hosted Radio for uh, the host. There was somebody else who hosted me as well. Let me bust that out just so I can thank them as well. I did see somebody else host me as well. Welcome to the Chenzor Dynasty for those who were added through hosting. Uh, let's see, do, 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 do. where's the hosting information here? The hosting information is not on this here. All right, let's see if I can still find. Oh, it's um, Trini Outsider hosted me. Thank you very much, Trini Outsider. Uh, from one program to another, we both really know all you do is swipe credit cards through Visual Studio and features just manifest out of nowhere. Okay, sarcasm. <laughs> sarcasm comment. A lot of these comments I read from the beginning, I'm like, oh, okay, this is probably... Sa oh, okay, sarcasm, got it. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. And yeah, uh, oh, thank you, Darth Proto Man. I'm glad that you feel that this is very educational. Uh, this is kind of one of the reasons why that I like to talk about this kind of stuff. A lot of people don't realize how hard it is to implement features. You know, it's not just as simple as like, hey, let's just implement it, right? Frame data stuff, it's not gonna be hard to pull the frame data stuff but now you want to get the UI, you want to figure out how to do the UI, do you want to account for meaties, how do you account for meaties, uh, how do you do all this stuff, what information do you want to display, now, and not only all that stuff, so implementing programming and creating something in a program, in a piece of software is always half of the equation, okay? As a coder, anybody here who's coded before will tell you the pain of putting uh, an and instead of an or, a minus instead of a plus. They put the closed parentheses in the wrong line. <laughs> Every one of us who have programmed has gone through this. And I'll tell you this right now, after you implement and create something, now you need to spend almost the equal amount of time to QA it and find the bugs. So it's like, hey, when I talked about the three weeks to take that it's gonna to develop this, now it's gonna take another three weeks for the QA. So now you're paying the QA to look for the bugs and they're gonna find the bugs and now you gotta pay the devs to go and fix those bugs when they could be working on new features. But no, they're fixing bugs for a feature that's not gonna make you any money, right? This is why we don't get a lot of these features added. So you create this cool frame data display thing in your game. It takes a lot of QA to fix it. And which is why it's actually kind of sad to me that something like Street Fighter implemented it and there wasn't that big of a hullabaloo about it, 
right? When when Street Fighter created that red blue thing out there, that's actually freaking fantastic. And it accounted for meaties. Like the fact that it accounted for meaties actually blew my mind. It actually blew my mind because then that means there's some form of predictive nature to it that it's not just doing blanket math off of the moves, that it actually has a predictive feature to it that says, oh, I know in the future because it causes this much hit stun that it'll do this. There's actually a little extra timing like that. So it's a... Uh so Noxid Lyrid says, bro, I just got done with Crunch Day, literally pushing code five minutes before demonstration. I feel you, man. I feel you. Dude, the, how much time the devs spent adding slow-mo in Tekken 7? And the funniest part about it is they have to calculate the conditions to trigger the slow-mo. And then they also have to calculate the conditions to end the slow-mo. Which is why a lot of slow-mo ends up being hilarious. Because if the move is a long move, then the slow-mo goes forever, right? When you see someone do like like the, 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 the law flip kick that comes down and try, Or like Paul when he like goes up and tries to slam on you. Like you go up and you go boom. This guy's done. He's like done. He's like walking around and stuff, and the other guy's still going in the slope. Like, it's really hard to do. And Master B, all of this, none of this talk takes into account the amount of spaghetti code that is often in large game projects. Implementing a particular feature might not just be the work required to implement said feature. You may need to fix or change how other parts of your engine or code base work to even make that feature possible in the first place. And then fix that, and then that fix causes some other piece of code somewhere else to break. And then you got to track that down and fix all the dependencies, etc., etc. Exactly. Exactly. It is a novel in there, but that is a very accurate novel. You don't. Un I, this happened when people were talking about the um, the input lag. So the input lag uh, for Street Fighter V and Tekken, due to the Unreal Engine, was fixed in the next iteration of the Unreal Engine. And so people were like, "Well, why can't you just take Tekken, take the Unreal Engine?" Unplug the Unreal Engine 2.0 cartridge and plug in the Unreal Engine 3.0 cartridge, and it works. That's not how anything works. <laughs> That's not how anything works. As soon as you do that, the whole thing just explodes, right? What Tekken actually did was they took that fix from the, the newer version, took that tiny bit, ported it back to the old one so the rest of the old code wouldn't change, and prayed that it would work, and it did, thank goodness. So... Coding sucks. All right, I'm, as a programmer, I can tell you right now, coding really, really sucks. Um, it's 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 tough, and so imp that's why the netcode thing isn't as simple as unplugging, delay netcode, and plugging in GGPO. Like you got to do so much work just to make GGPO work. GGPO is a brilliant concept of what it wants to do, and when implemented correctly, functions wonderfully. But it's very hard to implement because you have to make a lot of assumptions and stuff like that in there. It's uh, it's it's a lot harder. So, uh. <laughs> okay, Nadakan, I like that. Small correction: coding when you have to work with other people's code sucks. My code is fine. I will tell you one thing, Nadakan: the code that I wrote when I was at my job had pro was probably fifty percent comments. Maybe 60% comments and 40% actual code. Every line was coded, had a comment. I didn't care what the hell that line did, I had a comment for it. 
unless I could chunk them together. Unless there was a chunk of code, I had a big paragraph, but even if it was a simple line of code, I'd be like, increase the count. Like that, I would put in a comment that just says, increase the count. Do you know why I did that, Nuticon? Because I would go back to my own code that I haven't looked at in three years and I have no idea what it was doing. <laughs> I didn't comment the code and I'd go back and I'm like, what did I do here? Why the hell did I do this? What the hell was I thinking? And so I wrote in the comments of my own code so that when I came back three years later, I would be like, okay, that makes sense. I see what's going on. <laughs> Cone knows about this all too well. Yes, <laughs> variable name TMBG4. <laughs> Oh, man. Dude, yeah, and then there's the other one, right? Putting in, fix this later, hashtag, hashtag, fix this later. And then you never fix it, like, 10 years from now. You see, hashtag, fix this later is still in the, is still in the comments, dude. Oh, man, it's crazy, dude. It's crazy. Hi, Nathan. Hi, Nathan. Uh, yep, to-do comments. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the tricky thing, right? So, you know, again, my point is not to say stop complaining about it. We absolutely should complain about games not having these features. Yes, I agree with everyone. Fighting games, like customized trials would be super awesome. Because even if they built that in there, if they built the custom trials that people could record intelligently like see now i'm getting into coder mindset here okay hear me out here if they built it right then the default trials that exist in the game should be built off of the same mechanics so when you want to update the trial you don't even have to change the game except just patching a tiny little thing and it should just all work automatically like, then it would be super easy to do the trial, right? Like, that, like, if you coded it right, then the actual built-in trials would just be permanently saved trials that are built off of the custom trial architecture. And then that way, it's even easy to change the built-in trials, etc., etc., kind of stuff like that. So, uh, so, aka Guilty Gear, so Death... Uh, Proto Man ask so they can teach you to counter other characters, etc. etc. Modular code design. Dude, I designed a program that I was told. See, here's a great example. I'll get to you, Darth Proto Man, in just a second. Here's a great. I was told to write a program that, in, that took in a certain kind of data and it was expected to take in a certain kind of data. I wrote the program and then at some point they decided to start passing in all sorts of data. However, the code that I wrote was already hard-coded to one specific kind of data. So I was like, I need to refactor my, prog my entire program and the entire database so that it's easy for me to implement new things to be inserted into this repository much easier. Can you give me a month to refactor this whole entire thing? And the answer was always no, because we need this working now and that'll take too much time for no result. And I'm like, but it will save us time in the future. It will say, I need to do this now because it's also hurting my own soul that this program is not properly modular and not properly objectly oriented to be expanded easily. And they were like, no. And every day I looked at my code and I was like, I could refactor this now and make this so much easier 
please let me do this. And the answer was always no, right? This is what you run into in software companies. This is technical debt. Yeah, great line. I'm sure that's a common industry term, but I love it. I love it, actually. Um, yeah, I know. I should have just did it, honestly. And I, one time I actually kind of came close to just doing it. But I was so scared that I would introduce new bugs that then they would be like, what the hell, where do these bugs come from? And you'd be like, well, I mean, because I used to do that. I would refactor certain parts and a new bug would show up and they'd be like, where did this bug come from? And I'd be like, um, I did something that you told me I wasn't supposed to do. And then they would get mad at you and stuff like that. So it's always tricky. But, you know, that's always that's always uh, one of the situations there. And then um, back to Darth Protoman says, so can they teach you how to counter other characters? Yeah, so in Guilty Gear that they have that in there, but again, something like Guilty Gear like Unist had the benefit of existing in an arcade for a very long period of time so that when they release the home versions, they already know the answer to a lot of things, right? When you create a character, like I said, if you develop your fighting game correctly, you will make a character that you know 80% of what the character is going to do, and then the players are going to find out the other 20%, right? So if you create something when Lucia comes out and says, this is how you use Lucia, this is how you counter Lucia, you don't even know. You have no idea. Because nobody's played the character, they've never been in tournaments before, and nobody has found any tech for this character. How do you write how to use a character or how to fight a character when you yourself have no idea what the answer is. That is another problem with fighting games. It's hard to make tutorials for characters that it's really the players are going to flesh out, right? The players are going to flesh them out, are going to flesh them out. They're going to find out all the cool stuff, so your tutorials are going to be out of date very fast. So the question then is do you implement a system by which the tutorials can be updated very quickly? Because then, if that's the case, then your tutorials are text, right? They're going to be like Soul Calibur. It's just an FAQ. It's just a text. When you need to update the tutorial, you change the text. Bam. Easy. If you want to make a proper tutorial with actual video clips that show you these kind of things, all of a sudden, that workload just tripled, right? Because now you want to build it in a way that can be easily replaced, can be easily updated, can be easily made new clips, but now someone's got to record those clips, and then someone's got to approve of those clips, and then someone's got to make sure that the clip was recorded, and you're like, oh my god, you forgot to turn off the freaking uh, data here, and now there's this number sitting in the corner of this clip that's not in any other clips, it's inconsistent, please re-record the clip, and then, oh god. Oh boy. Yeah, that's basically how it all works right there. It's, it's development, software development is not an easy process. And the reason why we don't get a lot of these features is because none of these features are easy to make. They're going to cost a lot of time and effort to make, even for the simplest of things, because you've got to account for QA, you've got to account for bugs, you've got to account for fixes. And after you get all that stuff done, it, it equals to no sales. You get no new sales out of it. Like I said, if Mortal Kombat 11 had no frame data in there, I guarantee you it would still be the number one or number two selling game of 2019. No frame data in that game would not have put a into its sales. So how do you convince people to do that? Now, the nice thing about Mortal Kombat, 
So they're an American company. They're trying to make this esports thing kind of big. And so they're like, you know what? We want to put this in there because it's cool and it'll help the, the pro players. They have a little more connection with them and stuff like that. Honestly, there is a very large disconnect between Japanese companies and U.S. companies because you'll notice the U.S. companies are the ones that implemented the good rollback netcode, Killer Instinct, Skullgirls. You know, Skullgirls have great net code. Skullgirls has a great tutorial. KI has really good, you know, descriptions of special moves, etc., etc. Those training mode in Skullgirls is probably the greatest training mode ever created with saved states and randomizations out of the saved states and all this other crazy stuff. So you can practice getting out of like reset situations or see if they, you know, do if the opponent chooses to do this. Like there's just so many cool ideas in there. MK, they put in the frame data, good net code again, etc. Those are all US companies and it's it's really it's really hard. It's it's really, really hard to, to convince people. And yeah, absolutely, XP, XPS. I've wanted to make a fighting game. I, I really, really want to make a fighting game. And you can see what happens when people who want to make fighting games make fighting games, right? I've heard nothing but good things about the Power Rangers game, and that's largely through Clockwork and uh, through Shady K. Mike Z and Keats have had the benefit of being programmers who have now been able to work on these kind of games and be able to do really cool things as well. I, I would love to do that. I would love to be able to do stuff like that. But again, it's, it's you know... One, I have to have the opportunity to do it. It just has to come up. Someone has to be like, James, I'm hiring you to do this. I'm like, yay! And then I can make a fighting game. Or I just go and do it myself. But then if I do it myself, you'll never see me again. And I'll never be commentating ever again. Because I will turn into a uh, hermit in the corner of my home programming all day. So... Right, but most U.S. companies won't even go as far as Skullgirls did because Skullgirls is an indie project and also the person who was in charge of the project is a fighting game player who is capable of winning tournaments and placing high and understands what people want out of fighting games, right? It's just, that's just all it comes down to. It's all, it's all it comes down to, so. <sighs> but there you go. That's, that's kind of my rant here. Uh, I don't really have much more to say unless there's some more questions in the chat. Um, otherwise, what I would probably do... Well, actually, look. Uh, what I'm going to do right now is while I have some viewers in the chat, I'm going to run ads. Woohoo! Take that. Let me run some ads real quick. And then when I come back... I'll either start playing some Tekken 7 with some viewers on stream, or I will uh, uh, answer some questions and stuff like that. So uh, we'll be right back, guys. We'll be right back. Do not go anywhere. All right, welcome back, everybody. Uh, just want to answer a few questions that were in the chat uh, during the break over there. Shin Maruku asks, do you think video game developer culture always leads to bad decisions? Uh, it's not even video game developer culture. It's just software industry culture. Um, there's just a lot about push and crunch and all that stuff like that. Unfortunately, a lot of those concepts have become industry standard, right? So that's why we heard from NetherRealms, like, they sell this amazing game, but at what cost, right? Is it is a cost to their employees? Did they have to spend a lot of time? Did, did it really hurt them and stuff like that? What cost... Does it come to, to implement a lot of these features and everything like that and, and to put these kind of things in there? Because if you have a feature that's designed to not generate money but is cool for people, then maybe you do it because then you just make people work overtime 
so that basically you're not paying them to put these features in there because you're basically taking advantage of their overtime, you know, and th that's absolutely a possibility. And like I said, software culture kind of leads to that, unfortunately, which is, which is a problem. So um, Master PPV says, we only get true greatness when developer passion overtakes businessmen logic and deadlines. Unfortunately, that almost always comes at the cost of the developer's health and time, which is how we end up with so much expected crunch in the industry. Exactly. It's what I just said. Uh, it's kind of the same concept of what I was saying. Super Moose says, if you were to develop your own game, what are some key design aspects you focus on? Uh, building a really, really good fighting game engine is one of the main as design aspects I'd focus on. It's not even just about... Um, uh, not even just about, um, not even just about the game's systems. I would want to build a very, very deep, robust engine that could easily be ported for making other fighting games in the future. You know, with proper uh, base classes for moves and stuff like that. And having, you know, inheritance lead to special move, to super move, to V-skill, to, you know, EX move, blah, blah, blah. And have all those have identities and just have all sorts of, like, you know, ways to connect move types to each other and stuff like that. So that's kind of something that I would uh, do if I was trying to make a, a, a fighting game, so... Oh, what are we talking about cars here? Uh, James is going to be narrating the ads. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, hi, buddy. You are fully being... Uh, if I could create a sequel to any franchise, which one would it be? And which sequel would you like to see the most? If I could create one right now, I've already said many times that I really, really want to create a rival schools, a new rival schools. I would actually really, really want to create a new rival schools game because I would want to, and again, this would be a bad decision because people wouldn't like this decision, but it's something that I would force onto people. I would force you to use the team from the school. I know all the rival schools games make it so that you can pick any number of characters from any school, but I hate that. I want to force the teams on people and I would design it in a way that the team is the character. So for example, if you had like uh, the baseball guy would be to help you approach, he would throw a baseball which would allow the other guys to get in. So I would design the character as the team in a, in a way. So um, the one that I would like to see the most, I mean obviously I would love to see a Darkstalker sequel if... I could be guaranteed that the Darkstalker sequel was created with the same artistic integrity and the same thematic designs as the original Darkstalkers games. If those came out, then, uh, yeah, like KOF 94, except KOF 94 is literally their one at a time, right? So if I made a Rival Schools game, it would literally be all three characters are like there. Like interchanging between them would be really fast, but they'd all have their own sets of moves. So you are kind of forced to learn three characters, but then the, the, the mesh between the three characters would be so heavy that it would actually, you were basically learning one three characters as one character kind of thing uh, in a way. So... Uh, well, what is, what is going on here with investigate? Have you ever read, uh, space shuttle, how space shuttle code was developed as opposite as can be? 
Uh, normal eight to five work days, very, very little spent time coding, huge amounts of time planning the design, running simulations, and predicting cases, and developing tools to follow the actual code. If they found a specific math error, they could within a day know that there were 19 other lines of code which would have a similar error. They would do deep investigation if they looked and found uh, 18 to 20 errors instead of the predicted 19 other places. Interesting. And the space, what, what, what space shuttle code are you talking about? Are you talking about like the old game where you're like kind of like Lunar Lander kind of thing? Or, or, or you're talking about like actual space shuttles? <laughs> the software that ran the space shuttle. Okay, got you. Yeah, see, that's a scary thought. So like everything that I've just described to you right now, is a part of the software industry because that software is not going to kill people, <laughs> okay? Because as a programmer, it like when I bought one of my, my previous car, the one that got totaled, when I brought, bought that previous car, the guy was, um, the guy who was like the salesperson was trying to sell me the car. I was like, yeah, you know, one of the cool things about this car is there's like 50 different computers running different things in your car. And, I, and as a programmer, I was like, God damn, I'm now terrified. <laughs> right? That actually scared me because I was like, oh, man, that means this car is going to blow up. You know, like there's just bugs everywhere. And I know how frequent bugs are. So when you have those kind of situations where you have like software for cars and stuff like that, you got to go with a different route because the responsibility of it is so much more drastic. And so they are going to run test after test after test and they're going to do everything as right as possible. But in the software industry, when everything is when everything is dictated by release schedule, by sales and all this other stuff, and not only that, but patches are so easy now, you just aren't going to get that same kind of care on a lot of things. And it sucks to say that, but it's absolutely true. It's absolutely true that you just don't have that uh, ability to do that. You just don't have the, you can't force them to be like, hey, let's make sure that this software is not broken because for a car, if the software is broken, somebody dies and your company loses millions of dollars, right? In a software, a functionality doesn't work. You patch it later, right? So in the long term, it's still about money. It still comes down to money. For something like the space shuttle, for something like a Tesla, you need to develop it so that you don't kill somebody because that's going to make you lose money in the long run. So you have to spend that much effort to make sure it works. But with the software, if I'm playing a fighting game and birdies jump light kick recovery has no hurt boxes and everybody's like, fuck Capcom, don't they even test their games? But whatever, you patch it and now nobody even remembers that that bug exists, right? So it's a very, very different kind of situation. So it's, it's, it's a very different situation. Uh, quality control is practically non-existent in the normal software industry because they've taken the move fast and break things philosophy way too much to heart. Mm -hmm. It's very true. It's very, very true. Um... I think you'd like Ford versus Ferrari. In one of those scenes, to make the Ford Shelby fast enough 
to beat Ferrari. They chucked the computer inside and taped a bunch of twine all over it and just drove it over and over again. <laughs> Uh, how do you feel about gems like you had an SF Cross T in fighting games? Uh, can it be done right, or is that something that should not be in have inclusion in a fighting game? It can absolutely be done right, but then it's it becomes a balancing nightmare, and it also becomes a setup nightmare, right? One of the reasons why all the stuff like in all the NRS games, like the variations and stuff like that, aren't tournament legal is because one it would slow down the tournament because it was like all right here come these two guys they did their button check now they've got to go and find all their gems scroll through the list of gems add this okay add this okay i made sure i had you know it's like so in that and then you want to come up with creative ways and now gems have to have unique ids and so you have to memorize unique IDs or it creates a code that you have to implement or what it's just it's a nightmare and then how do you balance that right okay uh, it's like it's like balancing a card game right it makes it that much harder to balance like oh oh this move is obviously too powerful when paired with these two uh, this gem actually turned out to be too powerful because he paired it with these two other gems that I didn't think about let's nerf that well now you just nerfed like every other deck that uses that gem that isn't overpowered, right? So now you just like hurt, killed a whole bunch of other people's strategy because someone else found a way to make this gem work too powerfully. So you nerf it and now all of a sudden these guys, it's like, it's really, really, really kind of hard. Well, the Street Fighter Cross Tekken 2013 tournament gems were fine because they, they were just isms at that point, right? You didn't even need them to be gems. It just could have been like powerism. Speedism, defenseism, and then that's it, right? Because they just gave you like seven presets that you picked for, and that was it, right? You just basically turned them into isms, and that was it. So, of course, yeah, of course, gems worked fine that way because you basically deleted the entire gem system. You basically just deleted the system and forced everybody onto a certain number of sets. So, um, uh, basically, that's that's all it kind of came down to. So gem systems could work, but it's always going to add a level of complexity to the game unless you design it in a way that the gems don't have that much of an influence and they just make slight variations on what already exists. So uh, what fighting game do you think has the perfect synergy of its mechanics? Uh, atomic number? I'm probably going to name one that not a lot of people are going to expect. Uh, but I feel like one of the most almost perfectly or just like really just elegantly designed blend of mechanics uh, is Undernight in Birth. So Undernight in Birth, EXE Late and EXE Latest, I think has some of the greatest system of mechanics put together. They thought about it so well with the blending of the grid system and the assault system and throw techs actually rewarding the guy who tech the throw being positive, the chain shift, hey, if there's a zoner and I block intelligently, I gain more grid, which discourages them from actually using their zoning tactics, etc., etc. 100%, I think Undernight and Birth is probably one of the greatest a uh, blend of fighting game system mechanics in fighting game history. Dude, that is a great point, term term one end, termin. 
I still haven't gotten Viscant on here, and I've talked to him about it too. I really need to get Viscant here, dude, because I just want to sit down and talk with him. I don't even want to have a topic. I don't even want to interview him. I just want to sit him down and we just talk. And if we end up talking about Snickers or we end up talking about Taco Bell or we end up talking about Redheads or we're talking about, you know, Phoenix or fighting games or whatever, I just want to have him here and just sit down and talk because I think that would be amazing because I just love talking with that guy. So both of us love Redheads, okay? Both of us are lover of Redheads, all right? That's, that is a well-known fact. <clears throat> Uh, if I could only eat one or the other forever, pho or ramen? Uh, ramen, 100% ramen. I'm not a big fan of pho, Nutacon. I apologize. I apologize. <laughs> I'm not a big fan of pho because to me, pho just is like low-rent, good Chinese soup noodles. Um, Chinese soup noodles, like beef soup noodles and like all the stuff that my mom makes. God, like I just think that Chinese soup noodles destroy everything that is pho. But I'm biased because I'm Chinese and I grew up with a lot of stuff. But then at the same time, I'm also just right that Chinese soup noodles is better than everything. So I'm not even really uh, a big fan of pho, to be honest with you. So <laughs> Kino is going to punch me through the wall. Um, how, since I've gone to Tetris Championships, have you money matched any competitor? No, because the Tetris that I play is not the same as the Tetris that they play. So a lot of the times that if we played, we would not be playing the same Tetris. I can't do shit in Nest Tetris. I'm telling you that right now. And I'm going to try to fix that because uh, Boats and Joes is doing a really, really good job of trying to get me and Jonas to finally do a crossover stream. So we're going to try to set that up at some point in time. So either Jonas is going to come here and train me on Daz or I'm going to go over to his place and I'm going to learn Daz and stuff like that. So at some point in time, we'll try to, 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 to get that. But again, I can't do, like, they start on level 18, and I can kind of live on level 18, but as soon as you get me to level 19, I can't survive at all. With how good I am at Tetris, I cannot survive on level 19 Nest Tetris to save my life. I die instantaneously. They are completely different games. I have to learn a completely different skill set to be good at it. So I can't really challenge them except for guys like Kitaru who are good at modern day, uh, you know, standard uh, Tetris standard rule sets. I could challenge him. He would still kick my ass, but I could actually try to challenge him with that. Uh, maybe on a hitbox, but at the Tetris World Championships, you're only allowed to use controllers that are defaulted to the Nintendo console. So either only the square one, the weird dog bone one, I think NES advantages are legal, but I haven't seen anybody use a NES advantage at all. So there you go. Uh, I need to do the thing otherwise, but... <laughs> I know, right? Boats and Joes is so stressed out on Twitter trying to get us to, like, communicate. Uh, how many Tetris rule sets are major Tetris rule sets? So there's the NES one. There's the current official one. There's the Arika one. And then uh, even within there, the standard rule set has changed over the years. So there's every iteration in between. For example, in modern Tetris, four wide is a powerful uh, weapon. Four wide is one of the most potent strategies to destroy people in one-on-ones. Even though Tetris DS plays exactly like 
the other games and you can do four wide, Tetris DS does not have the system built into it for comboing. So four wide, even though you can do it, gives you zero reward. So even within the standard Tetris rule set, there's evolutions of it that changes between games. So if I played 1v1 on Tetris DS, I can't do four wide because it gives me zero rewards and it would be useless. But if I played in Puyo Puyo Tetris, I can do four wide and it will kill the opponent. And so the three major ones are the standard Tetris rule set, the Eureka one, and then the... Uh, old school NES one, but then there's the Super Nintendo version of Tet Tetris and Dr. Mario, which has its own rule set that's different from NES Tetris. Then there's the Tengen Tetris, which has a completely different rule set than all the other Tetrises. Then there's the, the Game Boy version. The Game Boy version doesn't even play exactly like the uh, the NES version, etc., etc. There's so many different rule sets for Tetris out there. It's actually pretty crazy. So uh, Puyo Puyo Tetris plays off of the standard Tetris rule set right now. I keep, for, uh, I keep forgetting what it's called. Uh, guideline. Guideline Tetris is what it's called. It plays off of the Guideline Tetris rule set right now. So the rule sets that are used in Puyo Puyo Tetris are largely the same as in Tetris Effect and in Tetris 99. Tetris Effect obviously added the, uh, the, the, the zone functionality, which is unique to that game. Uh, Tetris 99 has different like targeting mechanics and different junk sending algorithms. So there's always going to be a difference between them. But in terms of how you can manipulate the pieces and what you're rewarded for, the basic of Puyo Puyo Tetris, Tetris 99, and uh, Tetris Effect are the same. Those three all follow the same rule set in general. So uh, Most tournaments that run Puyo Puyo Tetris will always do swap mode. Otherwise, there's no point in playing the Puyo Puyo Tetris mode, which is why I never enter any of the Puyo Puyo Tetris tournaments because I can't play Puyo Puyo worth a damn. Can't play it worth a damn at, at this point in time. So, What do I think about Soul Calibur 2 Casino Edition? I have no idea what Soul Calibur 2 Casino Edition is. I have no idea. Uh, would swapping Tetris games be equivalent of switching Super Turbo and like Third Strike? Yes. Yes. May, uh, and uh, not all of them as drastic. So going from uh, Arika rule set to standard rule set won't be as drastic as NES Tetris rule sets to any of the other rule sets. Although you will find yourself dying very badly in Arika rule sets because of how things rotate and stuff in the original Grandmaster. By the time they got to Tetris the Grandmaster 3, they followed a lot more of the standard rule sets. And I think that might even be one of the options that you can pick or something like that. But Tetris the Grandmaster 1 has its own unique rule set. And yeah, if you're used to how things rotate in the... Tetris, uh, in modern guideline Tetris, you will die very fast. You will die very, very fast. So, um, I don't even know what that is, uh, term 1N. Um, what's going on, Super Famicom? How's it going? But, uh, okay. Well, um... I've deviated off of topics very badly here at this point in time, but it's fun still, and it's just fun talking about this. Um, and I kind of really enjoy just having these kind of conversations with you guys about video games and things like that. Uh, due to my timetable, I probably won't have time to play Tekken. 
maybe I'll do that after I go grab dinner and all that stuff like that. Um, but uh, unless people want to just keep chatting and hanging out and talking a little bit, uh, I'm totally down. Um, no, the, the analogy wasn't there. Someone just asked me a completely off-topic question, and it just kind of came up, and it just it just kind of went in that direction. So I don't know, Comb. That's a great question. I'll probably find out when Olaf gets home and we decide to go and try to grab something to eat. It's usually nothing ever very healthy. We do a lot of fast food because it's cheap, and we're both not, we don't have, we're not ballers, okay? Let's put it that way, so... K. Brad and Mike Ross going to Russian FGC event this December. That's really cool. That's awesome. I'm glad to hear that. That's awesome. Is HD Remix the same as Super Turbo? Ernesto, if you play the classic mode, it is very close. And in, in, in fact, I, I can't even think of any particular differences right now. Playing HDR mode, the rebalance mode, is a very, very different game than Super Turbo. And which one is better will depend on your opinion. So that is uh, just one of those things that I will leave it at that. So, um, uh, did I lose all of my skill of what I learned at VF5 with Gerald? Yes. <laughs> I don't remember anything about VF5 at this point in time. Oh, the PS3 has speed issues on HD Remix. So only the 360 version of HD Remix is arcade accurate if you play classic. However... The, the backgrounds are still going to be updated. I don't think you can play with the old backgrounds. and uh, Or is it that you can't play with the old sprites? I think you can play with the old sprites, but you can't play with the old backgrounds. So, so there you go. Uh, I don't remember anything about VF anymore, Super Famicom. Although, all of the play that I've had on Tekken will probably make it a little bit easier for me to understand the mindset of how you want to play Virtua Fighter. Because as different as those two games are, they still share a lot more similarities between each other than most of the other fighting games out there. So this is basically just kind of turned into an Ask J. Chenzor stream. So if anybody else has any other questions that they'd like to ask, uh, by all means, feel free to uh, ask some questions in the chat. Otherwise, I may just call it uh, for this stream and then uh, go grab some dinner, come back later, and then uh, do another stream after this and either play some Tekken with people or play some... Untitled Goose Game or something. I don't know. We'll, we'll figure it out. However, what I do want to mention is that tomorrow for my afternoon stream, I might not actually have a talkie portion of the stream here. I, should, I probably won't have a talkie portion like I did today. I'm probably just going to go straight into running some Sam Show lobbies. I'm probably going to play some Sam Show lobbies, and I'm going to gear it towards Beginners. Uh, the one thing that I wanted to do, uh, to help out with the Ronin Rumble. Oh, no, I have not even come close to finishing Breath of the Wild yet. Um, Lab Zero wants to make Darkstalkers only if they hire me. Only if they hire me. Of course they want to do Darkstalkers. That'd be awesome if we could get another 2D Darkstalkers. But only if they hire me, because I would have to make sure it comes out right. I would have to make sure it comes out right. I live in L.A. Did I meet any Crips or Bloods? Like, I grew up in San Bernardino, okay? I grew up in San Bernardino. I went to high school at Pacific High School in the ninth grade. We had one day where our school got shut down 
because that was day that was supposed to be a giant planned gang brawl on campus. So they just shut the school down that day to prevent it from happening. I grew up in San Bernardino, which was which has like the second or third highest murder rate in all of the country. It is very like that whole thing of the Crips and Bloods was very much affected part a lot of my childhood. I was never a part of the any of the gangs, you know, obviously because I'd be dead if I was because I'm weak and I'm I would not survive. But um, uh, I definitely knew them, even if I didn't know they were in the gangs. So, <laughs> so yeah. Uh, so I saw in the clip that I am on like two beasts. No, 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 no. I shut down a lot of them. I shut down a lot of the power-ups because I just don't want to have them. Because I want to be able to use the shield without that. I want to be able to charge my sword without triggering... Ubersus, Urbosa's thunder. I so I shut them off. I shut them off. Basically, I shut them off. So no, I mean seriously, growing up in San Bernardino was rough. Like you, like you, you. There was things that you had to learn. Like there was colors that you should not wear in school and stuff like that. It's pretty crazy. Uh, it's, it's not company preference, Atomic Number. He asks, ever wonder why Sakurai put all this work into Terry, 50 escalating tracks, different alts, all these sprites, uh, all these spirits, but not for Ruin Ken. It's not a company preference, it's a personal preference. Uh, Sakurai just loves Fatal Fury. I mean, he, that's, that was where he got into fighting games. So, uh, do, will I play Indivisible? Probably. I have it. I have it. Um. Bam! Here we go. Indivisible. There we go. Look at this. Look at my... Oh, is it taped? Oh, it's got a sticker. I haven't unstuck it yet. <clears throat> Bam, indivisible, indivisible, that's what I'll play, indivisible, every single day, that's why darling, it's permissible, that one day, I can't think of another rhyme with Indivisible. I will play Indivisible too. Um, my OCD, I'm trying to remove all the stick that got left over on the case because I hate leaving behind sticker stick. Here's my indivisible. Ugh. Ooh, look at this. Look at this. Indivisible art book, I'm assuming. That's what this is. Oh, yeah, look at this. Art book of all the characters that you can collect in indivisible. Look at this. This is nice, actually. Hmm, smell of new book.
Mmm, smell of new... Does anybody else out there love smell of new book as much as I do? Mm. Smell of new book. PS4 copy of the game. And a nice uh, soft base for it to be on. I don't think there's anything under there. Nope, there isn't. But yeah, what a nice little tin case. What a great, uh, what a nice little uh, collector's edition that they sent out. This is really cool. So there we go, the Indivisible game back in here, the book. And as I mentioned, this is all entirely a tin case. Very, very cool. Very, very cool. Why so many fighting gamers are weebs? Uh, that's just because, uh, in general, a lot of video game players are weebs, right? I mean, it has nothing to do with fighting games. God, you want to talk about weebs? Let's, let's talk about, like, Tales fans and Persona fans and Final Fantasy fans and stuff like that. Oh. Mmm, book smell. Um... So, I think Sakurai is a big SNK fan. Yes, that is true. That is true. <clears throat> Not as many Halo weebs. That is true. That is true. But even like you see something like, um, um, well, I'm not even sure. I can't say because I don't play League, so. Um, but yeah, it's just that the, uh, if you're a fan of games that come from Japan, a lot of the times you, you, they have that Japan Japanese aesthetic, so you're just going to be a big fan of that in, instead, so. Uh... Uh, that's a good question, Term 1, and I'm not sure, especially Alpha 3. Well, okay, the reason why there's no Alpha 3 revival is because uh, Crouch Cancel Infinite suck. Uh, they kind of messed the game up, and it's it's unfortunate. Uh, Alpha 2 is because uh, I guess there's no online for it on 30th anniversary. I personally also just am not a fan of the game, but, you know, uh, a lot of people do enjoy the game. So I don't know why there's no revival for it. Um... Uh, okay, but in any case, uh, I think that's all I have for this stream right now. Unless anybody else has any other questions at this point in time, I'm just kind of rambling. No, I don't think Alpha 2 is too easy. I hate the custom combos and I hate Alpha counters. I hate both of those things in Alpha 2. I, I, I can't stand those things uh, in the game. Um. Okay. Uh, any other questions or anything, or else I'll call it a night. I guess I'll probably try... Oh, Punch Plant, it's a great question, Noxed Lyrid. I mean, I can ask the same thing about Unist, because I've never played Unist on stream. I've stopped playing Guilty Gear on stream. I've stopped playing Smash Brothers on stream. I never got to play Splatoon a second time on stream. I haven't even played, uh, this at all. How do I unwind from video games? Probably by playing more video games, to be honest with you. I unwind from video games by playing stuff like FFRK and Teppin on my phone, basically, which is, that's the craziest thing, dude. Right, Mario 1080p? I wish I was still playing Splatoon. God, I love that game. I just never got back into it, so. But yeah, tomorrow I will be trying to do a lobby for Sam Show for Beginners. I'm probably trying, that's right, I didn't get to explain that. I want to work with Jeff the Hero to kind of make like a Ronin Ruckus or a, like a, Ro, a, a Ronin Rumpus, you know, something like that, you know, for beginners. Because the Ronin Rumble that he's running 
has become a very high-level tournament, and that's kind of tough for a lot of players. So I actually want to do one for beginners uh, to go alongside with them. So I'll probably do that on the PS4 uh, tomorrow uh in the afternoon, probably around 4 o'clock. I'll try to start around 4 o'clock. I won't have any of the talks like I did today because I want to give as much time for playing as possible because clearly my talks can ramble and rant and all that stuff like that. So, in any case, uh, yeah, 4 p.m. Pacific time tomorrow. Um, but, uh, oh, thank you, Super Famicom. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Very, very much. If you guys do appreciate all the stuff that I do, subscriptions, donations, bits, all that stuff, all that jazz would be nice. And uh, at some point in time, I will do another karaoke stream. Maybe I should do one this weekend. I'm actually home for once, so maybe I should do a karaoke stream this weekend, actually. Because uh, I just like singing on stream, and it's fun. And uh, stuff like that. So, And yes, if you want to also support me, you can do so by buying cool 86 shirts like this Dizzy shirt right here. Which is a beautiful, beautiful shirt. They've got a lot more stuff, a lot of new stuff there too that I don't even own yet. And I'm supposed to meet up with the guy who runs the 86. But we've been planning that for about a year now to meet up because uh, I'm awful at that. Which is why I made Boats and Joes try to organize the Jonas crossover stream because I'm just bad at these kind of things. And obviously, Viscant has never been at my stream at all yet, so I'm just bad at these things. But then, uh, also coming up soon is the NA Regional Finals, and so there's a lot of things coming up. After the NA Regional Finals, the weekend after that, I'm actually going to be going to Salt Lake City uh, for a Utah Monthly. They just wanted to fly me out because they're like, wouldn't it be cool if James Chen came and uh, commentated... Uh, a Utah monthly and then they contacted me and I was like sure and then they just decided to do it and so I'll be there in Salt Lake City in two uh, two weekends after this weekend so this weekend I'll be home maybe I'll do a karaoke stream uh, next weekend I'll be at the NA regional finals and the weekend after that I will be in Salt Lake City so that'll be cool in any case uh, hey no problem Super Famicom hey look all of us out there are struggling, man. I totally get it. I totally get it. It's, it's the way that the world works these days, right? All the money belongs to, like, Jeff Bezos, and that's basically it at this point in time. So I totally get it. So, you know, unless Jeff Bezos jumps into my stream and donates, like, uh, 300 subs to me, you know, I don't think, you know, I'm going to be seeing any of that money anytime soon. So, <laughs> all right. Have a good night, guys. I will talk to you guys later. I'll be back for streaming later tonight uh, for something more casual and more relaxing. And uh, I will see you guys there. Oh, actually, you know what? Before I go, before I go, before I go, let's feed some cats. Right, Master PPV put in that in the chat. So we got to feed some cats before I go. Let's go ahead and do that.